Hello and welcome to VA Brew. I'm Debbie. I'm Lynn. And I'm Mike. And today we're really pleased to have Lynn with us because I know this is going to be a subject that's dear to her heart because we're talking about this term organisational agility, which you hear all the time these days. So Lynn, start us off. What does organisational agility actually mean to you? Well, I can tell you what it isn't and then I can tell you what it is. I think people confuse organisational agility with their IT department using agile techniques and it's not that. So let's just park that bit. Okay. What is organisational agility is the uh, ability for the whole organisation to embrace um, agile thinking and agile mindset. So the organisation can work in a, in a fluid structure and stream to achieve the outcomes for the organisation, making it adaptable and flexible. So it's really, I mean, you, there's lots of, the Business Agility Institute has three domains of business agility that looks into operations, you know, the operations of the organisation, the individuals within the organisation and leadership. And then there is another, um, the uh, Business Agility Canvas that uh, Kareem Harbert's created through um, Agile Centre, and that has the six areas of business agility, and that, this is the one that we use within our organisation. And it's really around um, leadership, which is one of the key challenges for organisations actually becoming agile. Organisational culture, is your culture um, flexible enough? Uh, is your culture one of growth mindset and outward mindset and things like that? Um, organisational structures, your structures there to, you know, to help the flow of information or do they impede? Um, do you have like lots of silos that actually means there's lots of handoffs within the organisation, means the structure that actually prevents the organisation being uh, flexible, flexible and adaptable. Um, and then there's the governance and policy, and we love that, right, because governance is all about the funding. And funding and people in uh, you know, funding areas, uh, finance departments, always like everything like ticked box, you know, exercises they want to know you know how much it's going to cost up front which in an agile context is a bit sort of an anti-pattern you sort of don't know you might have to think about how you can create agility around some of that sort of financing and then finally ways of working and ways of working is how do you actually work in an agile way which i think most people are more familiar with because we can go scrum that's a way of working but that's the last bit really you should be focused on it's all the other five elements i think that make an organization um Agile, and when you pull all of that together, it's quite a big challenge to get an organisation, even a small organisation, to really truly be adaptive because it really starts with the leadership and it starts with leadership behaviours, walking the walk, not talking the talk. And I, I absolutely agree with that. It's really interesting because when I think about agility, I always think right at the heart of it is leadership because you have to almost. Um, not just empower, but almost give people license. And I think, Mike, you and I talked about this license once, didn't we? You know, to allow people to actually have that license, to have the authority, if you like. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I think that is a key thing, isn't it? And, and that does, you do have to sort of lead by example and show, um, yes, you can try things out, you can sort of experiment with this a little bit, but that that has to be, that has to be core, isn't it? If you don't actually, um, if it's not clear, the leadership is not, not a clear sort of steer from the leadership that actually you are allowed to do these things we are allowed to challenge everything potentially um then people are not going to have the confidence to do it and i've seen i've seen examples where people have sort of said well you can go and go and work out how to do this a different way and then they come back and present something that they've spent a lot of time on and say oh no that's wrong don't like that i think okay how how bad a message is that to sort of say yeah you're okay to go away and experiment and work out but when you come back with an answer I'm, I'm, it's, it's the wrong answer. Not, not even thinking about it. 
I, I see this all the time with my clients and mm. um you know, I, I talk about it as them going in with their long screwdriver, you know, to sort of try and fix the problems. And you get this more from um, people within, that have grown up within the organisation and been promoted to levels of leadership, but they haven't given up their understanding of the day job. Mm. And they're, the, they're almost the worst people to empower. You actually saw this within Apple with Steve Jobs to some extent. Yeah. But it's that whole concept of, you know, how do you empower somebody? And, and this is, you have to give empowerment. People can't take empowerment. And I think leaders forget that. And, and one of the things within, um, you know, Agile, uh, within business agility is, um, I don't know if you come across David Marquet's work on turn the ship around. And he talks yeah. about intent-based leadership. And I love the whole premise. I know it's an American. I'm sure we've got brilliant British naval um, comparisons to this, but it's such a good book. He talks about, you know, as a commander of a, a submarine or a naval ship, you're the one that makes all the decisions, but he doesn't have all the knowledge. And what he wants is rather than have one person thinking and one person making all decisions, he wants 350 people thinking and making decisions with him making the most critical one. So I, I just think that's really um, interesting within organisations to think about how do you go about empowering people? How do you do intent-based leadership in a way that people feel in empowered but haven't got to keep coming back and asking permission all the time yeah it, it's interesting because one of the things well one of the techniques that we talked about when we did the BA brew on leadership was John Adair's team task individual and, and I think when you're looking at things like leadership and then empowerment or this this license to operate if you like license to take things forward I think you do have to consider those different elements and Sometimes with task, and this comes back to this intent approach, I'm a very outcome-focused person. And I think if you're thinking about the outcome, then you can think about the best way to get there. And you can think about the best people to work on it and the skills that are needed. If you're very focused on task in terms of process, I don't think agility is ever really going to happen because actually you can get, I mean, we all know, you know, you can get so bogged down in following methods, following processes. And, and I know to a certain extent, sometimes people need that because it's a bit of a safety blanket. But actually, it can really just get everybody just stuck in the mire, don't you think? And, and losing their whole focus on what it is you're trying to achieve. And I also think sometimes that also means they lose focus on who the customer is. Mm. And to me... You know, we talk about adaptability, responsiveness. Well, responding to what and to who is a question for me. I think this is a really key point because I think those organisations that are adaptive, that are flexible, that do have business agility within them, are the ones that are surviving in a market that's very competitive and continuously changing, and not just by COVID. Um, but I think, you know, the... the consumers now are expecting so much of organizations not just in the products that they receive but in the way they obtain the service mm. and debbie i know that you know loads about your know, service science and service thinking so this is very much in your realm but the whole point of an agile business is this you know one of the things is how do you disrupt the environment that you're in to be ahead of your competitors yeah you know, so how, how can you be disruptive in what you're offering um to, to make that step how brave are you to do that and if all you offer, if all if all you measure within your organisation is the financials, 
then actually you're not going to get that because you're not giving you, you've got to have that balanced board scorecard approach, haven't you? Across yep. all of those things. So I think it all comes into that. Like business agility is about the organization being in a position that it can identify new markets for customers that didn't even know they wanted them, but also really get into the heads of the consumers and think about it from a service as well as a product delivery mechanism as well. Yeah. And I, th I think it's interesting you mentioned Steve Jobs because he was one of the people who always used to think about what is it that people need that they don't know they need. And I think with agility, because the world is changing, because digital technologies are coming up all the time to allow us to do different things, because the need to be responsive and adaptable to customers' needs is, is ever present, you often have to think in a different way. And Mike, you mentioned experimentation, which I think is quite interesting in the agility piece as well, don't you think? Yeah, I definitely. I, but I think um, there's, there's a bigger thing there around uh, what, what are we trying to do, achieve with our um, agility anyway? Which mm. is a, there's a bit of planning that needs to be done. Uh, and it might be that you can just do little bits of experimentation and, and extend things. But actually, what, what are we trying to do as an organization as a whole? And, and it might be that we're responding to something like a pandemic, or we might be responding to, on the pace of change that we've got now is, is increasing and, and ever going to be increasing with all the new things we can do with technology. So actually, we've got to learn, we've got to learn to be able to um, move things around a bit more quickly, because actually our customers are demanding things a, a, a lot quicker turnaround, aren't they? They're expecting things on their phones, they're expecting things to happen um, quickly um, rather than waiting 12 months or 18 months for something to come out and and that's that's quite challenging and, and lot, if you've got organizations that have got um, a more staid and steady culture and where we've always done things this way that that's going to be quite difficult for them to, to move how how do you influence or how, how do you make that change within an organization where you've got that sort of old cultural feel yeah it's, it's interesting, isn't it, as well, because when we talk about customers, um, there's, that's a very, very large group with all sorts of different characteristics. So if we're trying and, and, and if we're really embedding agility, you can't just talk about customers as a big group. You know, you've got to do some sort of actually breaking of that down. And then we come into techniques that we're very, very comfortable with. But that sort of brings me on to another topic in this, which is, do you need people running the organisation who are business analysts for agility to happen? What do you reckon, Lynn? Do you need what do I do we need business analysts in the organisation to running? Help? Well, and in, yes. Yes, definitely. I mean, in some of the organisations I work, the business analysis are the people that really help, um, you know, for, you know, for instance, let's just say you want you start with what is the vision for business agility within the organisation? Yes. Yeah. Who's communicating that? Who's helping the execs understand that? Um, what are the benefits to be gained from that? I know you know you think with Agile you still need to have a clear vision of what you're trying to do, and you need to have some measure of success that the execs are going to buy into if you're going to take that. So business analysis plays a part. It's all that strategic part of business analysis. So I think there are levels, aren't there, here? So you've got the strategic level. And then you've got the sort of middle level, which is all the middle managers. And um, and then you've got that whole change culture. You know, what you're trying to do with business agility is get people to think differently about the way that they're doing 
their mm. processes. Now, business analysis can be at the forefront of that, or the business analyst can, in terms of using different techniques like lean change to experiment with new ways of doing the old processes. Yeah. And I think it's just a shake-up. It's not a dramatic change. I don't think business agility should be this huge transformational change piece, you know, that there's going to be you know, five years from now, we will be an agile organization. It's a very subtle sort of subliminal thing that sort of grows organically as the, the culture changes. And you can't change culture by changing culture, right? You have to change culture by changing people. And I think the business analyst can be really instrumental in understanding that and sort of marching that forward. And then and the ways of working in terms of looking at the way the teams are working, their processes, how they operate, those sorts of things, especially agile BAs as well, that really get the you know, the backlogs and understand how to do that. They can be really instrumental. So I think there are three levels um, of which you can look at how you change an organization to be more agile. And I think that business analysis and the business analysis skill set actually sits quite firmly in all of those. Yeah. And don't you think... Wouldn't it be good in an ideal world, here's my vision for the world now, okay, if lots of managers of all sorts of different disciplines understood some of the business analysis thinking? Because we've talked about, you know, intent and outcome, yeah? We've talked about different customer groups. We've talked about maybe looking at processes. And, and one of my favourite things is actually looking at things and saying, what's the assumptions that are underlying this? that actually we need to be challenging, yeah? One of the other things we do is we say, well, first of all, you know, is there an issue here? And if it is, what is it? So let's frame that. And then we say, what are the different options? Because it's too easy just to jump into something which could be a highly bureaucratic process or even software. And so wouldn't it be a brilliant world <laughs> if business analysis ruled, basically, no, but if, if everybody understood some of those skills, because sometimes if people are in a, a management role, they don't get access to those skills. Whereas actually, I think they could just be so useful for everybody. Yeah, I, I think so. It is, it is a shame. And what I see myself is that those BAs that are good, and I know this even within my client work, when I try to move out of an area, they don't want me to go because I'm the one that's challenging. I'm the earworm, if you like, for the product right. owners or the seniors. I'm the one that's in there sort of giving them the confidence and they think if they're not sure about something, they'll get an honest opinion and they'll get all of that. So they get all of that business analysis thinking through me. And I think that's what we need to be for managers, you know, and leaders in organisations. We need to be that conscience isn't it i always think I, I i always think i'm a bit like jiminy cricket like sitting on their shoulders a conscience. <laughs> oh, i can see you doing that Lynn. <laughs> i like i like the the idea of sort of uh, that business analysis in the community so as business analysts we go into an area we we do some mm. do some wonderful ba work and impart a bit of business analysis understanding with the people that we've been yes. so they've got they're building up a a, a base set of business analysis uh, skills that then they can apply some of that thinking themselves. They don't necessarily need to come back and get that, that particular BA in because they they learned some of that and have got some of that thinking. Um, yeah, it's in interesting that that idea of um, you said about building building things at that sort of low level um, before, but you've also got to have that empowerment piece. So how do we marry up? Sorry, I'm, I've, I've gone off a complete tangent now. Um, I was thinking about that, that sort of small scale change thing, the experimenting, and then thinking. How do we how do we do that within the scope of a, a larger organisation? How do we how do we get that um, that stone to gather a bit more a bit more moss as it's rolling? Yeah, 
and it's interesting because we do have ways of looking at things and it sort of comes back to what Lynn was saying just now where you can see a hierarchy of things you can see things you know breaking down and I don't mean in sort of really deep silos or anything but it allows you to understand something holistically and then maybe take it into different areas and I think sometimes we've got techniques like say value streams yeah which allow us to take that very high level view and then focus on well what is the value outcome what is the value we want to co-create to use one of my favourite things. Sorry, I, I couldn't stop. It's on in the podcast. You mentioned that. Normally, that's that's early doors. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get it in somewhere. But you know, when you think about it, if you can think of even things that are quite complex processes and systems, if you can get that, you've got that high level mental view. Then you know, it's in your head. You understand what the focus is, and then you can st start to unpick. But you keep that horizon in mind that's what I always think of what's the horizon and that's an interesting thing actually because I always talk about three levels of change and one of them is the vision that's strategic and that should be quite long it should have quite a lot of longevity it should yes but it should be so high level that it has no detail that it's a, it's a projection of where they want the organization to be in the direction that they want them to travel not what they actually should be um, so it's that conceptual view, isn't it, almost? It That's is. Direction. And then I think there's, um, you know, we have a lot of experimentation, which can experiment very small things over, you know, iterations. And they could be two, four-week iterations. And, you know, people don't really change every two weeks. Um, you know, habits take at least um, 28, 30 days to form. I mean, if you've ever, if you've ever started uh, trying to give up alcohol in January or go to the gym, you know, all right, new year, I'm going to go to the gym. Everyone gives up by February. And that's because habits take over 30 days for you know, people to form habits. So if we're changing every two weeks or we're delivering change every two weeks, that's not going to work either. So we need this sort of um, jam in the sandwich, if you like, which is incremental change. And I think you sort of bring things into that. And the incremental change is how do we take some of the elements from the strategic direction, look at some of the experience and bring it into stuff that we can talk about in a more, you know, it, it, with, with, you know, that's got a little bit more substance to it. That's got a what's in it for me, for individuals. How can we empower people to be part of that and get excited about that? And then how do we use that to inform whether the strategic direction is the right direction for the organization to go in? So it's not about the top down coming down. It's about having something top down so we can do something. So then we can inform whether the top down was the yeah. right thing to do at all. Yeah. And, and keep that eye on mm. what would, because what we're trying to achieve is usually, as you said, quite a high level thing. Yeah. So actually it's distinguishing between that sort of why we're doing this, what we're trying to achieve, and then looking at the how in a much more sort of incremental, experimental, test and learn, all those sort of great ways. And pulling that all together really helps. I think as well, if you're looking at things in a bit more incrementally, it's eating the elephant, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Not Whereas, <laughs> or what, sorry? Not eating the elephant whole. Not eating it whole, <laughs> yes. Eating it in bits. But the thing is, if you do that, I think people can get a grasp on it. Whereas if we try and aim at something very large, a lot of the time it's just too much to take on board. Yes, um, I think that's where people get into that fight, fear of, uh, fight or flight mentality. Absolutely. Disconnect from the change. There's, there's also that, um, that uh, feeling of having achieved something. So if you've got something that's small enough and it's 
uh, you've done it and it's successful, or if you've done it and it's not successful, but you've learned something, then that if that time scale is a reasonable is, is is of a reasonable length, then you can keep some kind of momentum going. If you're if you're looking at something and you're not going to see uh, any benefit from it until two years down the line, it's it, I mean, it's, it's hard to focus keep focused on that, isn't it? It's hard to yeah. Actually, thinking about this, I think we can sort of bring together like the concepts of empowerment, leadership, intent-based leadership and small experiments all together in the conversation we've just had. Because if you enable people to do continuous improvement and they are empowered to make small changes within their own areas, because you've got good intent-based leadership here within your organisation, then your organisation will naturally continue to move forward. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, um, that's key to business agility. I think that's right. And and I think there are some key tenets and, uh, and I think we've covered a lot of them. So I think that's probably where we need to be to say that's enough of our discussion on organisational agility. But it was really interesting. Lots of stuff to think about. And I think we could probably have gone on for a lot longer. So thanks ever so much for tuning in and I hope you found that useful. And if anybody is interested in sending us through ideas on other subjects that we can discuss on the BA Brew, then please contact us at babrew at assistkd.com. But other than that, thank you very much, everybody, and hopefully see you on another BA Brew.